Hello, everyone. Welcome out to this week's episode of the Dual Threat Podcast. This week, it is not as fun as last week, I guess. We're not going to have a big party going on, but it is Scooter and I. We are here. We are excited to talk about the NBA Finals, give a little recap of that, maybe even talk about golf. But first off, Scooter, how are you feeling, man? What's going on? What's new in your life? What's kicking? What's new in my life? Uh, I've got a nice ripe sunburn um, on my uh, on my arms and legs today from a a, sh- a short round of nine today with my brother and and, and dad. So that's new. Uh, we played in about a hundred mile an hour winds as well, so it was quite the experience. It was kind of like playing the British Open, honestly. Did you guys play at the Oaks at Spanish Fork? Oh, we did not. We oh. we played up at. Of course, none of us even knew what it really was, but it was centralized between us. We played at Glendale. Oh, yeah. Lake. Have you played there? Yeah, I've played Glendale. Yeah, very wide open. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it definitely felt like we were in uh, Tornado Valley, <laughs> honestly. So. Yeah. High winds here in Utah this week. I know we're in the middle talking weather right here. High That's winds. But we always start with. I love starting with weather. We're in the middle of some sort of thing. I don't watch the news, so I don't really know what's going on, but we're in the middle of a cold front and a warm front or something like that. I don't know. Isn't that what happens with tornadoes when they like, when like the diverging temperature winds like meet? Maybe, I don't, who knows? Utah might be the next tornado alley. Tornado alley right here in our own, our own <laughs> backyard. Wow. wow. Move over earthquakes. It's time for the NATOs to come back. <laughs> it's happening it's happening what about well, you what's new with you you know nothing really new with me we're, we're watching a dog this weekend oh so we've had a dog at our house very wow. new experience for us yeah you haven't even filled me in. you didn't want me to send ours up for a play date um your dog would easily eat this dog this dog is seriously about like eight inches big it's a toy what what is your dog called again oh is it is it a toy poodle your yours yeah toy golden doodle oh, okay whoa wow. it is seriously so tiny really yes i didn't even know those existed yeah ours is uh ours is an irish doodle at about 45 45 pounds so <laughs> they, they they would have a great time i'm sure murphy would probably be scared of it though to begin with i don't know why they're all so like why these doodles are so scaredy cats they're all just scaredy cats they are, aren't they they're spooked easily huh yeah, so that's what's new with us. What's new in the sports world, though, mm. NBA Finals happened. Yep, they did. They <sighs> sure did. Let, let's give a little <laughs> recap of what happened. Okay. For the finals, both of us made predictions. You went with the Celtics, and I went with the Warriors, obviously. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah take, take the credit away from me. My, my mom actually texted me last night and was like, hey, you finally got the series that actually mattered, right? <laughs> hey, three cheers. Yeah. So, so I think I was one for whatever it is, 15, 16. <laughs> on the, I don't know. I should know how many series there were. I'm the math guy, but well, you're a math guy too. But anyway, yeah, I got the, got, got one right at least, you know, so you got the one that counts, Yeah, you know? So obviously we're, the Celtics won, or the Celtics lost, the Warriors won. I, I just totally missed myself wanna, up. You don't want to admit it. It's okay. I don't you want to admit that you're finally wrong about the NBA. It's okay. It, it happens once in a blue moon. Yep. 
Uh, the Warriors won. They won four to two. Uh, the last couple of games, it felt kind of dominant from the Warriors side. We saw a lot of back and forth, actually, but the Warriors really did dominate the turnover game. They were so good in what they did. And Steph got his fourth ring. He's now tied with LeBron. He, he sure is. And now we can do uh, Steph Curry legacy talk for the rest of time until he retires. We can we can talk about how uh, who, who is actually on the Mount Rushmore of, of NBA greats and all sorts of stuff like that. It was funny because I watched this this long video today from one of my favorite YouTubers about he had gone back and watched um, an NBA finals game from every decade. And it's funny to hear people still throw like Elgin Baylor and, and, <laughs> and Bill Russell is great. But when you watch the guards that Bill Russell played with, like they showed footage and they tracked how many times they actually dribbled with each hand and 85% of the dribbles were coming with only the right hand compared to comparatively today where it's literally like 50 50 yeah. so guys were dribbling we're going left dribbling with their right hand and it's <laughs> like we can't compare these like these completely different sports so we can do the steph curry legacy talk i personally all i want to say now about steph curry best short player to ever play the game best guy under best guy like around like uh, under six three feet under six foot three by far the best player to play the game. Wow, that's a big, big claim because there's Allen Iverson. Iverson didn't win a didn't win a championship, and you know his team wasn't as good. But I mean, I think he only got there once, right? Yeah, he, he only got there once. Um, I'm yeah, trying. So Iverson, there's there's Stockton. I mean, he got there twice, but I I think it's clear, like clear in a way. It probably already was Curry even before that. Yeah, I'm trying to think like the the NBA has pretty much been dominated by guys over yep. like six foot seven historically, right? Yeah. Like you, you could make the argument that he, yeah, is I mean, six six is where it gets hard because like Jordan and Kobe, Kobe, were yeah, six, and so like yeah, then there's this so but six five, oh yeah, without a doubt. I don't know who else you're like Stockton and and Iverson and um Isaiah Thomas are like the guys that came to mind for me but other than that like wow that is really interesting I haven't thought about that but he is probably the best player under six foot five ever yeah I mean you may Raymond Felton I'm thinking (laughs) uh who else uh Darren Williams dude don't forget Darren Williams oh Darren Williams true you can't forget Mario Chalmers we got them all. People forget two-time NBA champion. Three, right there. Three-time NBA champion. But yeah. So yeah, know. Curry, like let's let's save like throwing him out of the like we don't need to put him in the other conversation. Just just say best guard of all time by far. Best short and, guard like, of all time. Well, magic like magic as well, I think it's up for debate too. Because I watched some videos of magic today. And, and watching teams give him like eight feet of space every time he was on <laughs> offense because he was just absolutely clanking shots. Yeah. It was just hilarious to watch. It was like, sure, Magic was great. Magic really could just be another guy in like today's. I, I, I have no idea. I, I, so It's so hard to I, know. That's where I stand on legacy talk. Best guard, you know, you get MJ, you get potentially Kobe if you consider them sure. guards. 
They're so, both, yeah. I, yeah, best sure. point guard, I could see that for sure. Yep. Best guy under six five. That's what we should stick with. We love it. I have a question for you. Yeah. So Steph Curry, speaking of him, this isn't legacy talk. It's just a question I had personally. Do you think Steph deserved the finals MVP? As the biggest Wiggins guy in, in all of Utah, Steph Curry 100% did. Like Wiggins was was awesome. And it was, was clear cut the second best player and they probably don't win it without Wiggins, but they also aren't even in the, it, like in the playoffs, arguably without Curry. And yeah. I mean, Curry, this is his best finals by far. So yeah, I, I, I mean, he should have won it in 2015 and he definitely should have won it um, this time too. Is my opinion. What about you? What do you think? I, I do agree. I think there were some games where we saw Steph Curry struggle and I think that's okay. You can still win a finals MVP with that struggle. Yeah. Game five, he was bad, but he yeah. still demanded a ton of attention. Yes, he did. But uh, you know, I looking around it outside of Steph Curry, it was always kind of like, yeah, Wiggins is second best, but like a lot of these guys are putting in a similar performance in this finals to Wiggins, you know, like, yeah. So there wasn't any other clear cut MVP, even from the Celtics side, there wasn't like Robert Williams could have been the best Celtics player, in my opinion, like the second most deserving guy for finals MVP might've been Robert Williams, in my opinion. Yeah. He was like, at least the guy who looked like he was playing the hardest consistently. It's unfortunate that he doesn't have like the offensive skill set to ever win that kind of award but at the same time i see what you mean like he he was the key difference maker because um jason tatum was um trying to delodge his his head from his rear end for most of the (laughs) entire finals from what i watched and we can get into that later but and and like brown jalen brown was was really awesome at certain points um but yeah what i really want to point out is the Celtics bench, man. We talked before about how they were like clearly the deeper team. It seemed like, and both and and my word, Grant Williams, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard just laid collective turds on the floor in all six games. <laughs> like they, they, other than game one, I think Derek White had a really good game one. That that game they stole at Golden State, man, they were just steaming piles of crap all over the floor from the I- three. I remember when we were picking our five aside teams and I was like, yeah. oh man, Grant Williams, Derek White, or <laughs> Al Horford. Who am I going with? What was I, Grant <laughs> I took six, five power forward, Grant Williams, who can't make a three pointer. What was to I doing, fair, man? To be fair, you took Grant Williams from the Bucks series, not Grant Williams from the Warriors series. Yes. Oh, two, two completely different Grant Williamses. And I mean, I, I, my Draymond pick wasn't looking very good either until <laughs> game six when he, uh, when he got hot hitting those three jumpers. Dude, how did Draymond even play in game six? That dude should have had like five technicals throughout the series. He was yelling at the refs, like <laughs> right in their face. Nothing was ever happening to that dude. Well, we need to have a discussion on what it would have actually taken for him to get another technical. Like, what what were the lengths that he would need to get? Like, would he have to physically assault the ref? Or yes. would that not be enough? Would he have to, like, pick him up and lift him and choke him out? Would they give him the tech then? Or would it be, like, does he have to – maybe he has to kick the ref in the balls like he got ejected for a few years ago. 
or maybe maybe it has something to do with like assaulting a courtside fan. I truly wonder the length that he needed to go to. Dude, I I was baffled. Like they never gave him every any repercussions. Like no. he he full on trucked Grant Williams in like game two or three. Was yelling at refs verbally to their face. Chased Jason Tatum to the bench and was like picking fights on the Celtics bench, man. Like, what does this guy have to do to get a technical at that point? It's because he's a podcaster, dude. He can do whatever he wants. When you're a podcaster, you're (laughs) a verified bad boy, as we know. Oh, yeah. We get away with whatever we want, right? If we both played, they'd be way too scared to give us a tech because of what we'd say after the game on our podcast. They would be in the media pretty hard. They'd be getting hit hard. Our dozens of listeners would be after them just all over the place on social media <laughs> so fun it'd be so great we have well, to talk about oh great. i was just gonna say the funny thing is is marcus smart was the one who actually got the tech but what was funny to me was marcus smart just the most ironic display of like complaining of him complaining about i think in game five he got like he kind of was getting the shaft a little bit and pool got away with a flop on him and then smart just got so fed up it's like dude this is what you've made a lit this is why you're even in the defensive player of the year discussion in the first place because you get away with this antics you're not allowed to to whine about this man i'm sorry i feel no sympathy for you speaking of this marcus smart who would you rather have marcus smart or patrick beverly they're the same guy or a very similar guy right yeah, Marcus Smart just looks like he's eating a few more like ding dongs. He's a little less, <laughs> a little less wiry. It's Smart's a little thicker. Also, yeah, honestly though, I mean, Smart also seems less like, um, what's the word for it? Like, not vicious, but just like Beverly. <laughs> intentionally like trying to hurt people or like yeah beverly seems like he's got like he he's he's kind of almost i don't want to say mental malicious or yes like very malicious tendencies i would say mark smart is just out there to be like a a, just a performer some of the time it seems like good heavens man i don't know could we should we talk about tatum should we talk about where we feel on i mean yeah did we we probably need to have the talk (laughs) <laughs> did we in the media really label tatum a superstar a, a month too early maybe yeah i mean he we have to give him credit he did set a record oh what i didn't hear this record what record did he set he set the most the the record for the most turnovers in the playoffs of all time <laughs> <laughs> in a whole playoffs not just in a series but That's- in a whole playoffs in the course of the entire playoffs yes and the, the record so like lebron and dwayne wade were up there and then he just absolutely crushed their uh their records he had well over like 100 100 turnovers for the playoffs and i mean what was so strange to me is he really reminds me of like a uh a kid playing like i mean our listeners probably won't understand this but like a 10 year old playing nba 2k where he just dribbles around like the perimeter and does his sidestep dancing thing. And he does like the sidestep um, gather step into a, into his herky jerky three. And whenever he actually does get by a guy, he looks so scared to actually ever like attack the rim. Yeah. Like we just saw granted the, the Mavericks lost, but Doncic was like, I, I swear Doncic didn't miss a shot in the paint 
versus the Warriors, like that whole series. And I swear, Tatum was just firing shots off the like with no, absolutely no touch. Like the Warriors don't have any rim protection, which is one of the, like their main difficulties. And I think that the tall tasks they were up against. And Tatum just had no ability to take advantage of it. He looked like he was just like, it was the same thing as like filming like Instagram workouts in the with his <laughs> shooting coach where he was just like going about his business, not like actually trying to attack and score. It was so strange to me. I don't know. You know what the hardest thing for me was? <clears throat> I love Kobe and yeah. I've always loved Kobe and I know Tatum loves Kobe. So <laughs> You know, well, I hope the whole world now knows he loves Kobe. Yeah, boy, do we. I just kind of was hoping that at one point in this series, you would see that kind of Mamba mentality or the thing you saw from that separated Jordan and Kobe and LeBron and all these other guys. Like, this is my team. I'm going to win this game. And I thought we were going to see that, but we never saw it from him. No, we saw it in in uh, game seven or, ga- or game six. Which one was it? Yeah, game six at Milwaukee um, where he had like 40-something points, and I swear he was just making every turnaround. But, yeah, no, when I watched him, this, he, he played with like zero sense of urgency, and he has like the loosest – I mean, him and Brown both just look like they had the loosest handle of all time and just have like they, – they just are so nonchalant with the ball and – I think I think what really hurt them as well is just not having a point guard playing in simple like they like Marcus Smart is not a pure point guard. Yeah. And so all three of those guys just seemed like they were kind of at a, like trying to be that like whole. I don't know. I don't know. Very interesting. You know, I thought one of them would say, this is my team. I'm going to take over between Brown and Tatum. I thought one of those two would say, oh. give me Brown the ball. Tried. I think Brown tried, especially in games like this last game last night. I think he really tried because he was at least making shots and stuff. But yeah, but still, he, I don't know. He had to force the issue too, and I don't know. I it, it's it's it, I'm in a weird place with the Celtics where I don't know what to like expect from them going forward all and and what I don't like it like you're saying like is it, it it's not necessarily a talent problem with Tatum as much as it is like a mentality problem which this poses the question now the nba is over we can talk trade talks and Mm. potential moving oh we can always talk that yeah we can always spit that shiz around how about that's what the nba is about it's not about the it's not about the on-court product it's about the the trades baby let's yeah let's get into one right now i i don't have an actual trade but a potential player that the celtics could move on from jalen brown uh, maybe oh. Jalen Brown wants to leave. You know, he he did kind of showcase like, hey, like I, I am a fairly formidable player. If you give me the shots, I can get up a lot of shots. I can, you know, potentially be the star of my own team. What do you think yeah. his potential would be if he left and, and um, you know, was the star of his own team and he was kind of the leader of that team? What do you think Jalen Brown's potential would be and potentially that team's potential? Uh, I, I feel like he could be the best player on a team that is like in the bottom half of the playoffs. Like, I, I feel like he, if he had a good year, I, 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 I like the, the aspect that he seems much more like a two-way player than Tatum is. Um, at the same time, like 
I feel like them together, I, I also feel like the Celtics would be a much worse team as well without him. And, and they might be like a seven or eight seed kind of play in team as well. So I don't know. I, I think that the two of them as a whole have room to improve, um, but it's not like I can't see it ever happening. With them. So that doesn't, that's a terrible way to answer your question, but I, I, I feel like he could be an all NBA type of guy Brown on his own team. Um, but he's definitely better suited as like a one B option on a team. I think so too. But if the if this did ever happen, yeah, I was thinking of recent players that have left teams where they're kind of a one B option or or you know not the number one option. Yeah, and it kind of made me think Jalen Brown could be James Harden on another team. Oh yeah, I think. You know, because when James Harden left Oklahoma City, he was known for being a great defender. He was known for getting some good buckets. But Mm -hmm. then he went to Houston and was just an offensive menace, but completely lost the defensive skill set. I could see almost that same thing coming from Jalen Brown, in all honesty. Yeah, he he probably doesn't have the same, like, just like offensive bag that Harden had. I don't think he would be breaking Harden's scoring records, stuff like that. But, but that, you lead me to believe like now I really just want to see Jalen Brown in Philadelphia with James, with Joel Embiid. Instead, I feel like that team would be <laughs> so much better than <laughs> what it was with James Harden. The 76ers are going to trade hard into the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, they've made plenty of trades with each other in the past, right? All those Northeastern teams just all seem to just swap players. Anyway, they've all had Kemba. They've all had, <laughs> they've all had Harden at this point. They're all, Swapping Kyrie. Danny Ainge isn't there anymore. So who knows if he'll be facilitating those moves now? True. Good question. Good question. (laughs) I I also have got to give my boy Wiggs his flowers, man. He was, he was incredible. And it it just like goes to show fit matters way more than it does even sometimes the player. Like I'm happy for him because he didn't do an ounce of complaining in Minnesota, even though like people slandered him at will. Um, and he finally like in his, I mean, he, I forgot, I forgot that he got traded along with a first round pick for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Like that is absurd. That's absurd. Didn't they get Wiseman Wiggins? And I feel like they got another piece in that trade. They got Coop. So they ended up with Kaminga and Wiggins. Okay. Or Russell. It was Kaminga and Wiggins. The first pick. It wasn't the second pick or whatever it was, but it was still like the seventh pick or something like that. And yeah, which is crazy. I mean, I Wiggs was never going to be anything in Minnesota. It was clear like he was he's going to be an empty stats. Like he could score 20 game, but like you he's he is like flawless in this role that he plays there now where he is like an even better version of what I feel like Igudala was when he or was Harrison there. Barnes, like Harrison oh, yeah. Barnes uh, quite a few years ago. Yeah, it's true. And I I don't think it necessarily like resets the Warriors window per se. I guess we could talk about that but i mean it at least like extends it by a couple years i would say yeah yeah well i i don't have anything else to talk about the nba finals i do have a question for you you're way too early next year's finals pick oh my goodness we haven't Uh, gone through any draft which we're going (laughs) to talk about here any trades any off season but way too early finals pick um i feel i feel like we see the bucks back again I, I definitely feel like the both finals teams were kind of weak 
if that makes any sense. Like they definitely had both had, were very flawed, even though um, I think the better team won. But I, they, at the end of the day, I, I feel like the Bucks, if they had Middleton, probably would have beat the Celtics in the first place and probably would have beat these Warriors as well. Yeah, Giannis would have been too much to handle for Draymond Green. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Did you see game six, Draymond? Yeah, I saw him. So you have the Bucks from the East. You have someone from the West. I know the West is completely oh, wide open. Yeah. Uh, I don't at the top of my I would. I would honestly, I would lean the, the Suns, but at the same time, there's so much uncertainty with their offseason as well. So I'd probably just go Bucks Warriors. It's a good pick. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember a little while ago when people were like speculating that the Warriors were going to get LeBron or Giannis? Wasn't that just like two off seasons ago? Well, LeBron was just bringing it up this past like month was saying, I, I wouldn't mind playing for the Warriors at some point. It's like, dude, stop. <laughs> stop talking about that. To keep yourself relevant. So That's dumb. horrible. I mean, well, the best part was is the analysts saying two years ago or whatever, them all saying how many uh rings Steph was gonna or how many times Steph would make it back to the finals after the Wiggins trade and they were all holding up the zero and so Curry got to hold up the zero in the <laughs> press conference last night. I was happy for him to be able to do that to rub it in some people's faces. That works for him. But yeah. let, let me go out on a limb. I'm gonna go yeah. oh at least one wild team, one kind of not so surprising team for my way too early finals pick. Yeah. Listen to this. Oh, man. Clippers. Whoa. What made you? Wow. You're right. I think, yeah, very, very shocking. Kawhi's finally healthy. (laughs) Kawhi has, you know, I think once every four years, Kawhi is Uh healthy enough to play. Is his contract expiring too? I think it's got to be something. (laughs) Something in the the world is just making me think Clippers are going to be finals in the finals next year. I don't know why. It's mostly because of Kawhi. Yeah. But Clippers versus the Nets. I know the Nets have had a lot of problems. I just think KD is going to will himself to the finals next year after seeing what happened this year. Yeah, it's true. It it definitely sets Durant up for like a prove it year kind of deal. I I can see that as well. Um, Speaking of Kawhi, he just, that just makes me feel like he's like the Loch Ness monster somehow. Like he just, (laughs) every like four years, he just like emerges from, from some swamp and then, (laughs) <laughs> just wins a championship and then goes right back in I, or into a different swamp because he always has to trade teams after like. <laughs> yeah he'll have to leave so he'll have to leave la once it happens he'll go back to san antonio but i i don't know i was just thinking about that and i was like man the clippers just feel like the team that no one's gonna have on their yeah their radar right no, now. no you're right i there aren't many there aren't many people probably picking the clippers so which, if you're listening to me, don't go and bet on the Clippers. Don't take your your second mortgage out and bet on the Clippers right now. Let's look up. I'm I'm looking up really quickly because I saw a bunch of of finals odds. Oh, okay. You might be onto something because they're tied for first right now in terms. What of the freak? Odds. Yes. <laughs> because oh. they're getting Kawhi Leonard back is all it says. So there you go. There it's. The Warriors, Celtics, and Clippers of all teams are all plus 600. Well, so, I did not expect that. So well, there I'm, you go. 
I may be retracting my opinion if, if there is, <laughs> if there, if Kawhi has expectations on him, I'm pulling it back. No expectations are wanted on Kawhi. We're, we're taking that Clippers pick back. Okay. Okay. I'm um, going, I'm going, uh, oh, Oklahoma city. No, <laughs> um, I, I'll probably go the Lakers. I think LeBron has one last stand where yeah, maybe he's not the key offensive piece and maybe, you know, they get Anthony Davis, but one last yeah. stand for LeBron one last time to try to beat Steph Curry's four rings. Yeah. I don't ever a bad pick to just think LeBron will be in it. I'll blame yeah. My, I have one last Lucky. question too, before you move on, we move on from this final stock. Are you happiness scale one to 10? Like how happy were you watching the Warriors win last night? I was pretty impartial. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say I wasn't not rooting for the Celtics. Yeah. I, I had them the whole time as my team that was going to win the finals. Uh-huh. But like, I wasn't like, I'm not the biggest Steph Curry fan. I I, lo- I think he's changed the game and revolutionized the game, but I'm not the biggest Steph Curry fan. Mm. So I wasn't like jumping out of my seat, but I was like, good for them. Like they're a dynasty. Yeah. They want it like good for them. Screw as, Draymond Green still. As one who's seen his, his, his own dynasty um, sunset as, as well as the sun rise again and then set again on the Patriots. It's good that you can appreciate other dynasties as well oh yeah i gotta love a good dynasty right yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and i think like with the store like with clay like you have i mean his story is incredible and it is crazy that they were literally the worst team in the league two years ago or whatever <laughs> or back to this like i know they had injuries and stuff but i'm happy for clay obviously happy for wiggins and i, I really do like steph so i mean it was the lesser of two evils for me with with draymond and marcus smart as well so you know. hey, it was good. It was good. Wasn't the best finals we've ever seen, but no. that, that's okay. Not a single game under double digits. I'm glad we took the under. Yeah, we did. We did under 2.5 for me. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on and talk about the NBA draft scooter. This is kind of your wheelhouse. You are a college basketball analyst. You are an expert at college basketball. I know you, lately you've been kind of whipping up a big board, really getting some players on your on your mind here. And, and let's just talk a little bit about the NBA draft. What's your big board looking like? I'll have a couple of questions for you outside of this big board. But oh, I do, I do have a, one question. Did you get to yeah. see the movie Hustle yet? I have not. I've okay. heard good things. Have you? I watched it. I will not spoil it, but I definitely would have put myself in Adam Sandler's shoes for sure. So that's all like I'll you say. You want to be Sandler, the Sandman. Like being Sandman would have been a dream job for me. Talk so. about a revolutionized career, though, Adam Sandler, man. What he's 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 like hit his second prime. He's oh, a wow. dynasty. Yeah, he is the own Adam Sandler dynasty. Personal acting dynasty. All right. Well, I'm. That's that's like you're you're like the tenth person that's given a solid review. So I definitely need to go and see it. Yeah, for having a lot of NBA players in it, very good acting still. Some, wow. It was, it was for my expectations, it was good. Okay, good to know. Good to yep. know. So let's hear your big board. Why don't you go about your big board however you want, man? All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post um, more explanations regarding uh, – I, I, I'll give, like, just the, the, the 10 guys on the top of my big board. 
I'm going to post all of them on Instagram, but let's talk about them. I, I mean, the draft is, is less than a week away. We may or may not have a podcast come out before then. So I at least wanted to talk a little bit about it because I may not be the expert, but I, this is my wheelhouse somewhat and it is what I'm passionate about. So let's, I, would you rather hear kind of my reasoning behind where they're at or would you rather hear my player comparisons for them? Player comparison. I okay. love the player comparison. Okay. I know you do. So I'm, I'm posting, I'm posting that on Instagram, like I said, but let's, let's run through, let's start with number 10. Starting number 10 is center from Duke, Mark Williams. Um, most like just ferocious big man I watched in college basketball year. Like he, he, there, there were a few very good, like pure centers in college basketball, like Kofi Coburn being one of them, Hunter Dickinson, um, uh, Walker Kessler from Auburn, uh, Kessler and Coburn might get drafted. Mark Williams is like a, a, a should be a lottery guy for sure. Just based on, I feel like his game is like, just resembles Deandre Jordan in a Clippers uniform very much. Like I'm just so, he just like anything like thrown up around the rim in his vicinity, he's going to absolutely just like, just slam the basketball in at a million miles an hour. So I, I feel like that's kind of my who I was thinking of for Mark Williams. Number nine, we're taking it to Buckeye territory. We're taking it to your land. You, you stop me whenever you have a question as well or whenever you have a comment. I'm going not EJ Liddell. I'm going Malachi Branham from Ohio State. I I feel like Branham was was kind of hard to project because he is a very like old school style scorer like he he was just like a dribble pull-up machine in the mid-range and he was a late bloomer as a freshman like nobody expect him coming into the year to be a um to even be like a first round pick or even a, a GoPro, let alone be a lottery pick but I think he will be um he reminds me a lot of like DeMar DeRozan this past year where he's like not necessarily the freak athlete DeRozan is now but essentially just like a mid-range machine will be able to be a bucket getter um thoughts on the first two any any qualms queries let's go let's go with three let's go down to your number eight and then i'll have a question for you about one of these guys okay number eight i wanted to put this man higher but i i'm trying to be an impartial analyst here but i had to go ochai abaji from the university of kansas the national champion himself i feel like any team that ends up with, with Ochai Baji will be happy just because he is like probably one of the hardest workers in the draft for sure. And we'll, he'll, he'll do two things like very well at an elite level. I feel like that's, that's shooting the three, especially spot up threes and just playing like tenacious defense. He, he did that for the first three years of his career. And then he became like a bona fide, like dynamite score in college. So I, I, I compared him to Miles Bridges, which isn't necessarily the best comparison I feel like I could have given him, but there was no one I could come up with with the type of like jump out the gym athleticism I could think of right off the bat with also like the three-point shooting ability. So, okay. Yeah. I like that. I do have a question about Mark Williams. Yeah. So you were talking Mark Williams kind of like DeAndre Jordan. Um, and this makes me think to our recent finals with Robert Williams. Do you see maybe Mark, uh, Mark Williams coming in and being 
a similar type of player as Robert Williams, you know, a guy that maybe gets eight points a game, but you can rely on getting a huge block and being a huge defensive threat uh, in the middle for some of these teams. Totally. I, 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 it's, I actually compared him to him in my Instagram post, Robert Williams. I feel like he's a, a Robert Williams that's five inches taller, essentially, and has also has a seven seven wingspan to go with it. So he, he's just going to be an absolute force. And in a league that is moving away from like pure, just pure fives in general, he is the type of like game breaking five that you can still have on the court in the playoffs, I believe, because he'll have the quickness to stay with guards. And he also will just be like a guy you can't take off the court because of his, his defensive impact in the, in the paint, like plain and simple. I feel like a team like, um, Charlotte could really benefit from getting getting someone like him that just has like no defensive identity whatsoever. Okay, I love it. That's a that's a great thing. Let's move on to the next three here. Okay, I'm going with a second Duke player, which means for sure I'm going to have three Duke players. Unfortunately, in Rip. the top ten, <laughs> which is just hey, another another example of me just withholding bias here. Um, AJ Griffin. From, from Duke as well. He was um, kind of one of the like under touted freshmen coming into this year, but he like totally just like had like just out of control games where he was just unstoppable from three. Reminds me a lot of Desmond Bain from, from TCU now with the Grizzlies. Um, the reason for this being is that both guys are just like like phenomenal three three point and defensive specialist. Also, Griffin has like some sneaky athleticism, like Bain does. Um, the only difference and the only like interesting thing here is Bain was twenty two coming out of college, whereas AJ Griffin's still eighteen. So like the the potential is it's wide open for him. I love it. I love it. Um, number six, I'm gonna go. I need to go through faster because I'm taking way too much time. Keegan Murray from Iowa top scorer in the country this past year. I think he was like number three or number four, but for most of the year, he was, he was number one in scoring. Gives me a lot of Rudy Gay vibes personally. Um, Just both like smooth three level scores. Rudy Gay was a lot more athletic at the beginning of his career, but kind of adapted his game. Um, I like Keegan Murray a lot from Iowa. Um, You'll notice I, 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 we'll talk about it after who I, who I've left out here, but you'll probably be surprised. Number five, Benedict Matherin. I've talked about this guy probably at nauseum on the podcast. One of my favorite players in the draft by far. Um, was awesome to watch Arizona. This comp is really weird personally, but he reminds me a ton of Reggie Jackson. Whoa. From, from the Los Angeles Clippers, potentially. And the reason for it being is because Reggie Jackson like, is the type of guy where he can just like explode out of nowhere in terms of like, just like dribble isolation moves and like getting his shot off from three or like throwing down and saying dunk, like similar to who we learned from in Russell Westbrook, like Matherin has all those same capabilities. He also is like the type of guy I feel like that'll have the potential to drag a franchise from like being just like the bottom of the barrel in the NBA to like being a true difference maker one day. I feel like he has that kind of mentality. One of the coolest and best scorers in the Pac-12, for sure. 
I do have a question about Keegan Murray. So you yeah. compared him to Rudy Gay, and that's kind of where the league has gone to these, you know, guys that 10, 15 years ago would have been considered a small forward. Keegan Murray might play a stretch four type deal, yeah, um, which, which is kind of what Rudy Gay's been doing. Where do you see yeah. him maybe landing and what's his best landing spot? I know you have him as your number six. So is there anywhere around there that you see him as a great landing spot? Well, the, the Pistons are number six, right? Or am I, am I wrong with that? Who's We got to go through the draft board in particular. Let's or get that draft board. Let's get that draft board up and see who is really picking where. Because that's, that's really a big key, right? Oh, totally. And this is just like, I didn't even put the disclaimer. This is only players who play college basketball because I'm not the, I'm not the foreign analyst. That's all you. There's, there's uh, not a lot of foreign players this year. There's no. really not. Number well, six is the Pacers. Okay, yeah. So the Pistons and Pacers, uh, I, I honestly, I feel like the best fit for him personally would be um, at number seven to the Trailblazers just because I feel like he, he could be really good in a two-man game with Damian Lillard. Like the, 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 the Blazers have actually missed on quite a few picks recently. And on, honestly, I can't really even remember the last good Blazers pick. I mean, I know they ended up with Zach Collins. I know they ended up with Nazir Little, all sorts of different guys. But I, I know they end up with Anthony Simmons too. Do, do you remember like the best Blazers pick? I cannot think of the best Blazers pick recently. Anthony Simmons is the first guy that came to mind. Is oh that he was a good pick. Yeah, and he really wasn't really didn't do that much, honestly. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, they still have. That's that's pretty much all. Yikes! This roster. Yeah, they they could really use <laughs> they could <laughs> any really help. They well, and losing McCollum, like they lost their actual like second score. I I feel like Murray. What will hold him back is he's not a great ball handler yet, and create good at creating his own shot. Willard can take care of that for him, and let Murray just be like the off ball like complimentary player to Willard. So I think that would be kind of the dream spot for him. Okay, I love it. Let's hear the next three. Let's go. Four through. Well, let's hear the next two. We'll go four and okay. three, and then two and one. Okay. All right. These these two are interchangeable, and I think I'm actually gonna gonna switch it out. This is a live flip right here. Live flip. Number four. I'm going Chet Holmgren. It's number four on my big board. And- <laughs> wow. I wish I wish you could have seen my face there. I was in shock at Chet Holmgren going for. Oh yeah. So here's here's the deal with Chet Holmgren. I like I witnessed him live. Absolutely, just eviscerate the BYU Cougars. I watched plenty of games this year. I watched just about like all of Gonzaga's games, to be honest, and like was was absolutely amazed. He's probably your guy because my, my comparison for him is actually Kristaps Porzingis, which aside from the fact that they're both like tall, skinny, white dudes that can shoot it and block shots, like I, I feel like the like the talent ceiling, that's like literally the only comparison I could make. Like if Kristaps if was still healthy today, he would probably still be like an, an all-star just because like, what he's able to do like that no other people are able to do what he can is that an apt comparison in your great opinion? i love it yeah okay. i love that comparison the, the the deal with holmgren and people say like people are 
going off about, well, he's got the highest ceiling by far, but he's also got the lowest floor. And I don't even know if that's true to begin with, because I feel like he, he actually could have the highest floor because he does two things like very elite already, which is as a shop, as a rim protector, like he, he will be the best rim protector from this class probably. Despite his size, like there were all sorts of examples of him getting like bullied in the paint in college even, where he still ended up with blocks. And that's going to happen in the NBA too. And he, he's, he is a, actually a, a really good ball handler and like good at creating his own shot somehow. I think those two things will translate well. Where I, I still worry about him is when people are physical with him on defense. We saw in, in probably six or seven games this year, like two or three that they lost, he, he was completely taken out of the game because the team just decided to be really physical with him and there was no, he had no counter for it. And so I, I like Holmgren and I'm a Holmgren believer, but I like the other three guys more than him personally. I, I think that it would be absolutely shocking for him not to go in the top three and he, and he absolutely will. But personally, I think there's three guys better. Yeah, he's he's my number two guy. I actually have one guy above him, but four is pretty far down. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He'll 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 go in the top three for sure. Probably number two. It seems like a done deal though, KC. But okay, I like okay. that. Let's hear three. Okay, can you guess who number three is? I'm I'm guessing Jaden Ivy. Yep. You got okay. it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shock you here. Jaden Ivy, um, the type of guy that I compared him to Donovan Mitchell, he could probably be Donovan Mitchell, John Morant, either of those guys. I, I like his like shooting ability coming out of college more so than either of those guys. Um, also has all of the athleticism of them as well. What I really, really would be, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to start a petition um, to not allow the Jaden Ivey to go to the Kings. I cannot watch. It seems <laughs> like a done deal. It seems like, like we know what the top three is going to be. We can't let Jaden Ivey go number four to the Kings and see his, his career ruined. I, I've watched too many careers of players I've loved die. Yeah, that's, that's not a good spot. You know if you're going to Sacramento, you don't have a super great shot of really, how would I put this? succeeding excelling or yeah yeah any sort of potential <clears throat> yes so jade and ivy in the top four there's a couple of teams you know with point guards already you know yeah. and so where in the top four would you like to see jade and ivy go he's going in the top four that's pretty much a lock right so yeah i wouldn't like to see him <laughs> personally so top four who do you think you think the kings actually snap him up the problem is, is so, I mean, I just feel like he is far and away. Like there, there's, there's a, a gap there's from one to three, they're all clustered in. And then I think there's a gap between Ivy and the rest of the field as well. If that makes sense. Yeah. So personally, if I was going to pick a team, I would probably say the Rockets because there's a log jam in Orlando and it seems like the Thunder already kind of have their good, they, what they want with Giddy and what they want with, with, shake out Gilgis Alexander so I think like pairing him and Jalen Green together would be like just athleticism off the charts every night that would be it would would be fun to watch would it actually result in wins I don't know but it could sell tickets though and that could be the thing that gets the Rockets to bite on him 
they'll probably sell tickets with uh, any of the other three as well, though. Yeah. Well, let's finish it out. Let's go okay. to your top two. I want to, I'm really in, interested to hear who you have at two and who you have at one here. I'm not shocking anybody. I'm taking, I'm, uh, Paolo Boncaro is my number two. They, I, I don't think it's a shock, at least. I, I have seen Paolo as number one in actually quite a bit of, um, of uh, mock drafts lately. But Paulo, my comparison for him, kind of a right-handed Julius Randle, also has a lot of, like, mellow in his game as well, where I feel like he is just, like, this, like, weird combination where he can get to whatever spot he wants on the floor. He also has, like, just amazing shooting mechanics for a guy being 6'10". And as the third Duke guy in in, in this in – this, uh, top 10 big board um I, I, honestly I, I i he was even likable like i enjoy actually really enjoyed watching paulo Bancaro and he he really surprised me coming in this year because the hype was outrageous for him and i i feel like getting duke even to a final four um was was probably his most impressive feat with all the pressure on him this year yeah very impressive this is this is where I think we stray. I actually had Paolo Banquero below Jaden Ivy. Oh, I have him as dang. my fourth player. Okay, because of the defensive struggles that we've seen. Yeah. I know you talked about Carmelo. Yeah, and you'll see a lot of the same defensive effort that like Carmelo Anthony would put in from Paolo Banquero. Totally, and that is definitely one of the things he needs to improve. If if I'm if we're talking floors, I feel like. Boncaro is the guy I know like more than anybody I, I feel like I can trust him to be the, like the most successful of any of these players I still have my concerns about Holmgren I have concerns about my number one guy as well um Jabari Smith just tell and, us about Jabari let's hear yeah, about Jabari okay. I mean Jabari Smith is is an alien like watching him he he essentially had to deal with two versions of Russell Westbrook at his guard position with, with a 10th of the talent that Russell Westbrook had. And yet he carried Auburn to their, their best season in school history was this like weird clone nebulous of Kevin Durant and also Kevin Garnett, in my opinion, who is actually my official like comp for him. Doesn't have the same intensity of Kevin Garnett, but has the same frame and athleticism and like mid range game. Like he like just can get to his spots and makes it, he, he, he's such a high release point on his jump shot as well, which is where the Durant vibes come from him. But Jabari Smith, like, I think he's going to come in and be like a, a 20, 25 point guy, at least by year two, for sure. I think, and Jabari Smith's my number one guy as well. Okay. And I think, you know, if the if the floor is the worst floor for him is a is a Kawhi Leonard that doesn't isn't as a Kawhi Leonard light. You know, maybe yeah. not as good defensively, not as good offensively. I'm totally fine with that. Like oh, yeah. if he can come in and be that type of role player and and that good of a player that you can trust as a two way guy, I'm totally fine with that. And I love Jabari Smith for that reason. I yeah, he 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 will be one of those guys. I think it would be incredibly hard for him to bust i i i feel like i want holmgren to go like how i think it should play out is i think it should go um yeah give us your top five picks right now and then we'll go to it 
Okay. We'll go to a break after that. Okay. I think it should go Holmgren to Orlando so he can play with his buddy Suggs from high school, both from the same high school in Minnesota. Then I would like to see Jabari Smith go to the Thunder at number two because I feel like the Thunder then could just – the fan – like Jabari Smith, they could convince themselves, oh, we literally have – it's 2007. We literally have Kevin Durant again. Like he was – he's that – reminds me that much of Kevin Durant. Um, and then – Number three, I would I would probably see Paolo just so that him and Jalen Green could be together. I, I feel like that would be a really cool tandem to watch. And then I don't want to see any of these these guys. I like a lot of these guys too much for them to go to the Kings. So, so I want to see the tra- the Kings straight out. <laughs> the Kings Not going to happen. They're going to pick somebody for the sure. The Kings should trade out to the Jazz or something like that. Something. I don't know. Um, Maybe Keegan Murray there. They they have too many guards as well. Maybe just try to do a redo of what they did with Marvin Bagley, um, and then and then I think uh, at five I would like to see they've already got like their their point guard of the future with Cade Cunningham, but I think like him and him and Jaden Ivey together could be a, another like just just great one two punch for the for the long haul. That could be an interesting lineup for the Pistons too, because Cade Cunningham's kind of a bigger point guard. Yeah. And Jaden Ivey's kind of a smaller shooting guard. It could be a really interesting like duo that you could throw out there. Totally. I feel like Ivey's better off ball as well. He kind of had to take point guard responsibilities at Purdue, but that's not his natural position. Whereas that is Cunningham's natural position for sure. And so watching them together, I think it would be fun. Um, I have to shout out Johnny Davis because Johnny Davis was my guy for a lot. No of top years. 10 for you. No top 10. And he probably, he got snubbed over probably Malachi Branham and uh, um, AJ Griffin, even personally, but Johnny Davis, I, he's going to come back to haunt me. I feel like after I made all of this and I and made all the graphics for it and stuff like that, <laughs> I, I've, I've had like nightmares in my my sleep about Johnny Davis like just score he's on this Taco Bell commercial too like once a day that I see he's just like coming he's he's gonna come for rookie of the year just to spite me I think in that Taco Bell commercial he goes first overall though right oh yeah he's not doing that but but <laughs> here's the thing I like Johnny Davis his his slow shot worries me I feel like I I can't see him I I think like it would be really cool to see him end up on a good team. I feel like it would really, he had to be the guy at Wisconsin and I want him to go to a good, good situation. Okay. I like it. I like it. That wraps up our NBA talk, NBA draft big board by scooter. If you have any questions, reach out to him. I'm sure he would love to talk to you about anything draft wise. Right. Maybe I I like talking about college basketball every once in a while. So maybe I'll respond. Maybe, maybe. Let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll kind of recap what's been going around the world in golf quickly, and then we'll give some shout outs. So we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. We are going to talk some stuff around the world of golf. Golf, these last couple of weeks has been huge. Um, We saw the RBC Canadian happen this last week. Rory McIlroy took over that one. He got a big win right before a major uh, obviously Tony, the tiger sunk a long putt to, to secure his second place. Justin Rose was doing work on day four. He had three Eagles and Justin Thomas is still playing at the top of his game. 
So the RBC Canadian was huge kind of coming into this masters or not masters major event coming into the U S open. And this U S open is happening at the country club in Brookline. This is basically in Boston, Massachusetts, a little bit of history on the club. It was one of the original five charter clubs that founded the USGA. Um, Matt Fitzmagic, one of my guys, Matt Fitzpatrick, actually won the last major tournament there. He won the U.S. Amateur um, in 2013 with his brother on the bag. I saw those pictures where he's in like shorts and he just looks, he looked like either one of us in like junior high. Yes, I I was shocked. I I actually put him in a lot of my DraftKings lineups because I had figured this out about last week that he had won the last major tournament there. Yeah. And they don't do a lot of renovations. They don't change the course a lot. So I was like, oh, he's kind of familiar. Um, And then one last thing about the history, Tom Brady is actually their real only notable member at this club. So good to know. For being a club that's about 100 years old, like really, really established, having Tom Brady as your only member, I was quite shocked by that. Well, here's, here's the deal with how these guys are playing the u.s open so far i can only imagine brady's score being somewhere in like the the two under four digit territory (laughs) like would he be shooting over under a thousand for a four for a four day tournament well you know that uh drone video we've caught of tom brady we've talked about a lot i think that was actually here so you know he was he's actually no i'm just kidding it's not (laughs) actually um i was just trying to get you to think that wow yeah tom brady actually does know the course oh yeah maybe maybe he might honestly (laughs) i i don't know it's kind of interesting this this course is definitely different i don't know if you've been able to catch any of the tournament so far have have a little bit good it is It is very interesting how they've carved out the fairways. You know, they weren't able to move a lot of dirt back in the day when they made this course originally. I think it originally started as a 12-hole course, and then they added six holes after land purchase, and now they have an executive. But this course is kind of playing as a – it's playing as a par 70 right now, so you'll see everybody shooting 70. If they're under 70, they'll obviously go under. Mm -hmm. But the total distance is 7,204 which on a typical par 72 is about average size, but on a par 70 actually makes this really long. So we're actually seeing a long and skinny course here um, for this U.S. Open. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, the fairways literally look like they are just straight up like bowling lanes, honestly. Like yeah. I, 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 me and my draw would have no business keeping any of any, a single ball in the fairway the whole, the whole weekend. It would be so hard to play this because it is so, so narrow. If you do go off, a lot of times you're like on a mound or like in some like really uneven um, footings. Yeah, uh, uneven terrain. So it's it's pretty wild, but it has been fun to see these players go out and make some moves out of this thick rough or out of the uneven terrain or just from anywhere they're playing. It's been really wicked awesome to see what they're doing. I agree. I honestly, the, I don't know when we want to get into the live stuff, but it is nice that I, we can just kind of focus on the golf at hand. We have like familiar golf, like guys who are playing their best golf right now, Rory, especially, uh, Morikawa kind of on the back of his game. Rom also having a great week. 
and then Scheffler in con- contention too. It's nice to see the guys who we are familiar with and are like having good tournaments be in contention and be at the top. And we will definitely talk live here in a little bit. Um, but I do want to, I, I do want to talk about the cut line. We are talking day two. We, we are recording this after day two. So the yeah. cut was set at plus three. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a question. Were there any big shocks of people who missed the cut for you? Um, there were a couple of people that I have. Uh, I just wanted to see if you had any big shocks for this one. Well, since, since Cam Smith and Victor Hovland were both in my uh, lineups, like about 70% of my lineups, yeah, I can go ahead and say I was shocked about those two just complete Like Cam Smith, for one, because the dude is like a major – like he is – he dominates and he doesn't win them obviously, but he is always like right there at the top, just like battling Hovland. I'm not super surprised, but there were, I did a lot of, lot of DraftKings research this week and the, the projections were saying Hovland was the guy and I was bamboozled again. I've been low on Hovland for a while and uh, I should have, should have listened to my, my old conscience. What about you? I, I think one guy that I had been hearing that was talked up about being a potential tournament winner was Shane Lowry. So Shane Lowry all across the the boards from a lot of these big time golfers were saying he really has a chance. He's been playing well as of late. Uh And then I I think today he actually posted a decent score, but I think yesterday uh, on the first day, I think he was plus five or plus six. And he shot two seventy twos. Oh, he shot two seventy twos, so yeah. he was only four over. Yeah, but still, I mean, still like this this type of course is like his wheelhouse. Yeah. So I I was very shocked by him, and I feel like Louis Oosthuizen always comes out to major events. Yeah. And he just had a really bad weekend as well. So yeah. I don't know. Those were the two biggest shockers to me. Well, and um, Tony the Tiger's been playing well, but. Him missing, the, I can't remember the last time he's missed the cut at a major. I feel like I feel like it's been forever. I think we could go on and on for with names like Daniel Berger missed the cut, and he's honestly been playing well as of late. Um, played well, you're right. I Tommy Fleetwood didn't make the cut. I'm yeah. trying to think of I someone else. A lot of lineups, also. <laughs> um, uh, Mito Pereira. Oh, true, true. But my boy Harold Varner, who uh went. I, I shouldn't have taken him because in any lives because yeah, he, he had that collapse two weekends ago where he was like, he went from minus 10 to even in like literally five holes. Yeah. That's not, that's not what you want. Also, um, are we shocked Phil didn't make it? Did we no. think there was any, do we think there was any like. <laughs> After all the grief he's been getting, there was no way that Phil was making that right. And, and, and I didn't see it, but apparently he just absolutely just beeline, just toasted a, a person today with oh, a ball. I didn't see it either. I saw him hit out of the rough a couple of times, but that's all I got to see. Oh, that's typical, Phil. But uh, yeah, apparently he just absolutely blasted a, a person with a ball today. Dang, that yeah. sucks. Top well, Phil today. not much from Phil. I, I do have another question for you before yeah. we go on to live, just to kind of talk about the U.S. Open. One last, one last question here: Who do you have as a sleeper from anyone that barely made the cut? You know, I, I wouldn't consider Rory McIlroy your sleeper to win this, since he's you know tied for third right now. But 
if you had to pick a sleeper from any of the guys, you know, basically 18 down or 16 down, who would you take here? Sleeper I, to win it all. Can I say Brooks is my sleeper? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, Brooks has won two U.S. Opens, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, I, I mean, it's a different course, but I feel like this is kind of like his event, just one, the, the time of year where he gets hot. I'm shocked that he's even in contention in the first place because he got married, what, three weeks ago? And he probably has not picked up a golf club until like Thursday <laughs> this week. So the fact that he is still like playing even golf, he's only five back. I feel like Brooks is, is one of the candidates. I, I feel like since he's kind of still in striking distance. Um, and then uh, I, I always want to say Zal Torres because of the way he plays majors too, but he's probably not a sleeper being at T16 right now. Yeah, 16, you could kind of make a sleeper, but they're only three back at 16, right? Or, or yeah. uh, how, four back at 16. How about um, Gary Woodland was having a good was having a good day and a good week to start, and then he kind of fell off. He's at plus two now. You know, uh, I, I think I'm going to go with Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, I'm, I, honestly, I'm shocked he even made the cut in the first place that he's played recently. I that's the thing I was very shocked that he made the cut but with this being a long course it is narrow so you know you may see some narrows but with the highs of Bryson you may get one of those high days where he goes off and scores a lot of points yeah really goes low some days so I don't know he's he's one that I was seeing other than that I was like man a lot of these guys that are down here low like they're not going to be making up a lot of points i think this weekend i think a lot of the lower guys that just barely made the cut were really lucky to just be in the cut well where do you think this the like the winning score will be is that the right now the leader is joel damon at minus five with morikawa as well like does he even get up to like minus seven minus eight oh honestly this i was not expecting even to see a, a five under today be the the score heading into the uh uh weekend here yeah i i would say probably three under is the score i would guess and then be the winner yep be the winner i i think watching the early morning group go out watching the morning groups it was so much harder it was windy the greens were a lot faster and then they came out and sprayed the for the afternoon groups they came out and sprayed water all over the greens yeah they really kind of how would I say this? They pumped it up for the, for the guys in the afternoon groups. It was kind of interesting. Conspiracy hag there. It sounds like some shady stuff. So you're saying I should play the afternoon guys in my, my DraftKings lineups tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to bring the water out again this week, but, or, or tomorrow or Sunday, but definitely, definitely, definitely. It was, I think a big key difference maker, seeing how the ball stopped, seeing how they were able to roll it do all of their stuff in the afternoon in comparison to, you know, the mid morning guys that came out. It was very interesting to see. Totally. I, I'm, I, I, I'm not familiar with course, course maintenance usually and what's like standard protocol, but sounds shady to me. You can get me to believe anything right now, <laughs> like golf. I know. I don't know. I it's, it's the wild west out here, just like NIL in college. You never know what's going to happen. Speaking of never knowing what's going to happen, how about this LIV that we had go on, this new LIV tour? Obviously, we've had some 
big players go over there. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, uh, Patrick Reed being a big guy. Oh, wait. Oh, I completely forgot. Brian Harmon's in the top eight. We didn't even talk about Brian Harmon in the U.S. <laughs> Open. My boy, Brian Harmon's making we, it. We already, talked enough about, we already talked about it enough with the wedge guys. There's no way he needs more talk this week, too. We got to bring him in. We got to get him on at least once of every podcast. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Okay. That'll so, be an Easter egg for listeners. <laughs> so, so LIV, I, I have a couple of questions here about the LIV. Do you think yeah. that this tour is good for the sport of golf? Uh, that's, that's a loaded question because on, on one hand, it is the most golf has ever been talked about in my entire life even like at the peak of tiger's powers like the casual people i like or like the 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 people who pay no attention to golf they didn't really care about like what was happening with tiger even when he was doing outrageous things or even like crazy tournaments going on i have had a couple of people this week who have never picked up a golf club to my knowledge ask me about what i think about this this tour and conversation has like in the sports world even with the nba finals being on granted it wasn't a great finals it was the conversation was still on golf so in in one regard i think it is good for the sport because it gets the conversation going um i never want to see like the competition dilute or spread out though at the same time where i feel like i mean the politics aside with saudi arabia i'm i'm not going to pretend to be an expert on on anything regarding their government and whether it's a morally ethical choice or whether or not from from a sports standpoint my personal opinion is um i don't like to see because i i want to see all the best players playing in one league it's like saying like what if we had the NFC split up and the AFC split up and they both have their own Super Bowls. Which is really what happened before we, you know, the AFL and the NFL combined, right? Exactly. And I'm grateful that now we have like the the standard and it's not anywhere near that point because it's not like we have like, like the, the, the talent gap is still so large despite there being a couple of guys from the top of the tour going to the LIV. Um, but that's kind of where I stand is I, I just feel like I would rather see all the people playing in the same tournaments, especially with golf. Like, so anyway, I, I agree. I think once you get like big tournaments, I think, you know, maybe a, a offshoot like the, like the live tour is, you know, where they go and play eight tournaments a year and that's like their offshoot, you know, for yeah. people that would rather live in Europe, like maybe there's, I mean, we have the European tour out there right now. Like, uh, I think it's good. I think they're trying to make some good ideas come through. You know, they're only playing three days, which really gives players more time to rest and heal and work yeah. out and be with their families and all of these other things. But at the same time, I like, like you, I just wish I could see Dustin Johnson in every single tournament here playing against Rory McIlroy against Justin Thomas. I wish I could have seen Dustin Johnson play in the RBC Canadian. Like that's his tournament and he didn't play in it. Yeah. And and like at the same time, like it's not to the point where I'm like, Oh, it's not a legit win because like 
Patrick Reed wasn't in this or Dustin Johnson. No, like, no. Yeah, yeah, of course. But if the, like if that's the direction it's moving in, it would potentially be damaging to the sport in the first place because like if the best players in the world aren't on the same and can be in the same field, then then what does it really matter? Like what's the like what is this all for? Where I do think um the struggle is happening is like some of the PGA's personal response. I've kind of been like jaded by their response about the LIV in the first place. Like I didn't love, I don't know if you saw, what's his name? Jay Monahan. Is that the PGA commissioner's name? I think that's his name. No one knows who the PGA commissioner is or what he does in all honesty. He doesn't do anything it's except probably, play golf. It's probably Brian Harmon, honestly. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need that. It's probably Chris Paul. He's just the commissioner for all leagues um, or Adam Silver. I, I, I didn't like his comments at the RBC um, tournament just because he like was like saying some really weird, like throwing major shade at like how um, you never have to question like moral ethics of people on the PGA tour. And he brought up like nine 11 about the, like the LIV tour. And I was just like, dude, this isn't the way to get people to like stick to your tour in the first place like just let them do their thing if you if, if players leave so what just just be above what the liv is trying to do and just be like we're gonna over be we're gonna be over here and do our thing yeah wow i so, i didn't realize he had those comments that is not good <laughs> yeah he he did not handle it like i was listening to it live i so they they, they had jim nance and monahan on and i was like oh man i can't actually i'm actually excited to hear what he has to say and then I, it was like after the three minute segment i was like what on earth was that who who let this guy be commissioner like he was a disaster up there so. i think we need to have morally right tiger woods be the commissioner for the pga <laughs> tour or phil right or phil <laughs> just more good moral guys like that's all we need I do have a question for you here, Scooter. Another one. Yeah. If, if you were one of these young players that's, mm. you know, semi in your prime or what's considered in your prime, you know, DJ, DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, we can name off a plethora of these guys, Kevin Na, even potentially, yeah. would you have taken this money or would you have tried to keep proving yourself on the biggest stage? And and I don't know if the money's guaranteed, you know, I see you've seen these ex- <laughs> extreme contracts but like what if the live tour goes out like in a year do they all still get their money i don't know but let's just say it is guaranteed in this situation that's the crazy thing is like yeah if it's straight up that i uh, honestly it is it is baffling because i mean dustin johnson i saw a stat that dustin johnson um was off he he was offered 125 million straight up and tiger woods in his lifetime earnings on the pga tour has only made 121 million. Yeah. So the sim- single con, I mean, obviously there's endorsements aside and stuff like that. And then the purse for the first tournament is $25 million. I would have, I would have competed in that first tournament, even yeah. just for the purse, like just throw me out there. So here, here's the deal is it, it would really depend on where I was at regarding the PGA tour, like my kind of my spot in the PGA tour. Like if I was a top golfer, I'm sticking with the PGA tour. 
a lot of these older guys like that have gone to the LIV tour. It makes sense. Like uh, Schwartzel, Charles Schwartzel yeah. was saying, like, yeah, it, it just makes sense for me. Like, even I, DeChambeau is like a new start for him where he's not been playing well. He's kind of had a lot of backlash. Totally. And so, but, but where I could say is, and I am going to actually bring up your boy. I actually really, my favorite quote of anybody's that I've seen about the LIV tour is is john rom's quote i don't know if you saw it did you see what he was saying no i don't i i don't speak spanish so i don't keep up with john <laughs> rom very well <laughs> he, he essentially all he all he said was like i i play golf number one at the end of the day for the competition because i love the sport he had a very like hagen bonner answer like a very like kobe answer no wonder I why i love that dude yeah, it's true like he, he was very like he was straight up just like i I play golf because I, I love the sport. I want to play the best, best players in the world. Like, and it's easy to say because he's already won like a lot of money, I guess you could say, but at the same time, like if you're a top golfer and are, are making millions already, especially off endorsements, what's the point of um, going and even putting yourself in this nebulous of what people think about this, like sketchy situation in the first place quote unquote yes and and we talk about money and yeah dj got a guaranteed 125 million or whatever but what about endorsement deals like how much money did because because tiger woods has made almost a billion dollars just off of endorsements right he was just valued at a billion this week actually yeah so he's almost made a billion off of just endorsements So how much money did people like Phil Mickelson give up? Because Phil was that same type of guy, very endorsable. You could really, you know, put him in front of a screen and be great. And then going to this, it's really caused him a lot of backlash. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have given up the temporary right now money to go and play there. Even though that's a ton of money, 125 million. Are you kidding me? That is a ton of money. Outrageous numbers. Yeah. And like, like I said, like if you're a lower guy on the tour, like you're going to be probably getting what I, I don't, I didn't see what some of the smaller deals were, but I'm guessing Graham McDowell didn't get a hundred million or something like that. But even still, he's probably making a lot more from LIV than he was in the, in the PGA tour. And I think it gives a lot of those guys potential to go and win a spot and maybe like, you know, like if you get a win over there, maybe it gives you the confidence or, or a win in the live tour. Career. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why Bryson DeChambeau is going over there. It's more trying to revive his career, maybe kind of seen as a G League or like a developmental league, I guess. Yeah. But the money's just crazy. <laughs> a G League that pays 10 times <laughs> the NBA. A hundred times the NBA. What I don't understand really is is Dustin Johnson's decision to do it. It was it, I, I I really can't. Dustin Johnson doesn't hasn't really ever seemed like, I guess he hasn't seemed like a guy that like loves the culture of golf. I am kind of shocked that like maybe Brooks saw Bryson went over there. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't want <laughs> but like Brooks is totally like the golfer that like could care less about golf in all reality and i feel like that's the type like maybe that's what dustin johnson was kind of thinking he's like i just would rather just make a boatload of money as well and just hang out the rest of the year yeah, yeah totally 
Well, and and do we know? So it's 120. Like, do we know how long his contract is or what? I don't know the details. I know they have. I think. I think it's only eight events per year in the Live Tour. <laughs> so there's only eight events going on. <laughs> 120. <laughs> yeah, that's where it's absurd. So I mean, even if it's a five-year contract at 125 million to play eight events per year and get 125 million, that's kind of a no-brainer. So you can spend time with family really work on yourself and have a life outside of golf oh my gosh oh my gosh this is absurd I, I mean i hope they know what they got into so they're not like sure 125 million and then it's like all right you are playing till the like you're playing until your body physically is incapable of playing like you, you will yeah i don't know who Ho- knows hopefully they've read the fine print is all i'll say for those guys i'm sure details will come out more about that later but either way i think it's kind of making the PGA tour rethink the way they do golf. Maybe they'll, and this is my hope. This is all I hope that comes from this. The PGA will allow players to wear shorts and not pants. That's all I hope for. (laughs) Well, so they do that, right? What else did they, I know they, do they let them have carts? They don't let them actually wear shorts. I think they still have to wear pants over there. Oh, they have to wear pants? But I'm just hoping that's something that comes from the PGA. They're like, oh, maybe if we offer to let them wear pants. Casual Fridays, they're good. <laughs> just on Friday, they can wear, wear, yeah. Can wear shorts. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, on, uh, yeah, because they, they, what are the other rules, too, that were different? I mean, they have like the shotgun style, whatever that means, where they all start in different holes or something. Yes. So everybody starts on a hole. So like holes one through 18, have somebody on them to start. Yeah. It's only three days long. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I'm not a math guy. I'm trying to think of what else there is that was like a big deal. I don't know if there's... They really got to do something else like to make me tune in because I have literally no, I have, I have no desire. Like I can only tune into so many actual PGA tour events. I'm just not going to watch like the, unless they do things like where they do in the match where they're like, all right, one of these holes, you got to play with only one club or one of these holes. It's a weighted score by how fast you play the hole. Or like fireworks come out of like the back (laughs) of the hole when you like, hit it in or something like something's got to happen you right have now. to play this hole with a roman candle as you drive <laughs> <laughs> either way they've got to come up with something that really gets the blood flowing a little well, bit because because what is your like I, do you have any desire to watch it um my only desire would be like I don't know because they have some sort of team. I don't. I haven't really read up on like oh, yeah. the team. I saw the logos. Those yeah, good. bad the logos. Yeah, bad the team, team names, names were, were great. Those are like the creative, the created team names they give you in like Madden. Or <laughs> I think they honestly gave them one day to make up the team names. But I would love <laughs> to like, see. Oh shoot! Oh shoot! We actually have to have teams. Yeah, <laughs> better find a graphic designer. I, I, I would love to see something like a four-man scramble where Phil Mickelson and his team are going against Dustin Johnson on the same hole. Like, that would make me actually kind of be like, oh, like, I would actually probably tune into that. Like, oh. I don't know. I, I did also hear a suggestion of um, 
maybe one day the LIV tour and the PGA tour, it'll be like a Ryder cup kind of deal, which oh, where there's, there's, there could potentially someday be bad enough blood between these guys to where they've made this. Like, it already seems like a lot of the PGA tour guys are pretty sick of their, just like, they're pretty annoyed, but like Rory's been clearly annoyed by it. Uh, Justin Thomas has been pretty vocal about it too. Like they already have kind of, the live guys have kind of like, just like gone off into the, I haven't heard much from them um, aside from Phil, but they've just kind of been like, ah, I wanted a bag and that was it. But, yeah. but they haven't like issued any bad blood. Whereas the PGA tour, they seem like they're hurt by it. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see them kind of have a face off. It would be interesting. Honestly, I think we've probably talked enough golf to really get us through. Probably. I, we do have one more talking point. The long day challenge will yeah. be Saturday, June 25th. Mm. It is coming up. We are going to be on our Instagram story, making some, making some stories, really keeping track of our score, you know, letting everybody know how we go. That's the last golf thing I have to say. We are going to be living it up on the long day challenge, hopefully going for that first place trophy. Well, I just want to ask officially before I forget, are you bringing the little smokies or is it going to be me? You're bringing the little smokies. I'm bringing the cooler. Okay. Well, who's bringing the crock pot? Spencer's bringing the crock pot. Okay. Spencer's got the crock pot. I've got the smokies. You've got the cooler. All right. Yep. We're, we've got it all down. Okay. We're set. And, and I think uh, our, our guy, Big Black, is bringing Smucker's sandwiches. So we're all good. We're clean through the like day. Uncrustables or what? Yes, uncrustables. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we will be the the most well fed team there. Sure. <laughs> uh, I know that. I That's all that. we want. That's all we want. Well, before we go, Scooter, do you have any quick shout outs to give before we go? Um, shout out to. I did not come prepared for this part of the segment, unfortunately. I got a shout out. Maybe, shout out. Maybe your shout out will inspire mine. Shout out to the Dallas Mavericks. They have already made the first trade of the offseason, acquiring Christian oh. Wood. Um, I don't know if it makes them a huge contender, but maybe. So shout out to the Mavericks for kicking off the NBA season hot and hot and heavy already. All right. Well, in that in that sense, shout out to football, which is only two months away. And boy, do we need it here like we need air to breathe. So oh. we can make it through this summertime. Couldn't be more excited for this football season. What are we gonna do in the evenings? I mean, we can play golf in the, the mornings and afternoons, but what what's on in the evenings? I... Nothing. I uh, one last shout out. Um, I got a Mac Jones jersey, so shout out me. Wow, for getting a Mac Jones jersey. Does that mean you're all in? I'm all in on Mac. Okay, Mac's the guy. All right. Max the franchise. It's official now. Once you get a jersey, you have to. I mean, that's why I'm still all in on Jimmy G if I have to be. That's why you're still all in on Jimmer for debt as the franchise guy going yeah, forward. And, huh? and Josh Jackson. Yep. Oh, Everyone yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. great. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you have a great week. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. See ya.